The first reading this morning is from Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The word of the Lord. And our second reading is from Luke 10. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, renew our minds and transform us to do your will. Amen. Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, today's that first day of our congregational study, 12 Keys to an Effective Church. And so each week from now until the very end of July, uh, we will be focused on two uh, of these 12 keys each week so that by the end of July, we will have a pretty good understanding of what these 12 keys are, of how they relate to Scripture, and some idea of how we as a church are doing in relation to each key. Now, I want to be clear that this study is not an evaluation to see whether we are a good church or not. Instead, it's an opportunity to help us focus our energy and our growth. So just as a good farmer knows which branches to cut and which branches to leave in order to make the plant as productive as possible, so this study will help us to know what strengths we already have and what future strengths God is gifting us to grow. Now, this is not a test. It is a tool, a tool that we are using in order to be more effective in following the call to which God called us when the Spirit gathered us here together and made us into Christ's church. So here's the plan, uh, and it's open to be adapted as we go forward. Each Sunday, we have two scriptures, as usual. Each of these texts will be paired with one of the keys we are focusing on. As I mentioned earlier, uh, a reading from Romans 12 is uh, going to help us think about the key, stirring helpful worship. And our reading from Luke 10 is going to help us think about the key, one major program. So during the sermon, I will be introducing both of these texts to you uh, to prepare you for the discussion that will follow our worship service in the fellowship hall uh, during coffee hour, and we'll even get into uh, discussion a little bit here. So then after worship, after we've had a bit of time uh, to gather our goodies and our coffee, uh, we'll have some table discussions about the keys in light of our scriptures, and we'll think about how our church relates to those keys. And again, Uh, please let me know as we go forward how this is working because uh, we can be flexible to make this as useful a process as possible. So let's get to it. Our first topic this morning is stirring 
helpful worship. And our text comes from Romans 12. And let me read it again, just so it's fresh in your ear. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, as anyone who was here for our Wednesday Bible study could tell you, even though this is not a long reading, there is a ton of meaning in this short two verses to unpack. But for now, I just want to focus on that middle part. Paul writes, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And he says, this is your spiritual worship. There's something very interesting to me about this advice from Paul, because it seems to hold together two things that we usually separate, and that's body and spirit. Usually when we talk about being spiritual, about spiritual worship, our first impulse is to stay in the realm of the mind. So to be spiritual then is usually to be quiet. It's to be serene. It's to contemplate or maybe even meditate uh, on the great truth of God. Or on the other hand, uh, more recently, we think of being spiritual as being in touch with nature of keeping to the simpler things in life rather than the busyness of our modern life. After all, according to our usual way of thinking, if being spiritual has anything to do with the body, it is in denying the body uh, through the disciplines of fasting uh, or self-control or perhaps even dieting, uh, especially during the season of Lent. But Paul here keeps together those things that we often separate. And in fact, he keeps them so closely together that he can say that real spiritual worship happens through our bodies. In fact, when Paul talks about bodies here, he doesn't just mean the physical, fleshy part of us as opposed to our spirit. Instead, he means our entire self, everything that makes us up. Because of the mercy that God continuously shows us, we are to offer our bodies, our lives, our very selves as living continuous sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God. This, Paul tells us, is our spiritual worship. Notice how this changes our understanding of worship as well. He doesn't say that we should offer our worship for an hour each week, or a few minutes each day, or even by praying before meals, as good as all of those things are, Rather, our entire lives are offerings to God, whether on Sunday or any other day. When we, the church, gather in this place for one hour to worship together, this is just a refresher, a renewal for the other 167 hours of worship for the rest of the week. We don't come to church on Sundays. We are the church every day of our lives. And likewise, it's not that in this place we are especially before God, but rather our whole lives are lived in the presence of God every hour of every day. When we live our lives as worship, both in the sacred moments and in the ordinary moments, we live in a way that is not conformed to the world, but in a way that is transformed 
by God's renewing word. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to take a few moments to discuss with someone near you, or perhaps someone's near you, uh, this question, uh, what you think your answer to this might be. And here's the question. How does our Sunday worship at Emmanuel Lutheran Church, how does our Sunday worship relate to the other 167 hours of worship throughout the week? Does that question make sense? How does what we do here for this hour relate to the other 167 hours? And an honest answer might be, I don't really think that it does. But uh, turn to a neighbor or a neighbor's one or two of you uh, and, uh, uh, and, and discuss that question for just a few moments, what you think your answer to that question might be, and then I'll bring us back. All right, let's go ahead and bring it back together, finish up. What were some things that came up? in your uh in your your little uh mini discussions here ah yeah so there's a way in being a a formal time of prayer here helps you to pray more regularly and in different ways uh kind of throughout your days is that right yeah okay good what else ah so the words from the sermon and the songs stay with us uh throughout the week good what else Ah, so it's like a computer, and on Sunday, you're refreshing it. You're, uh, you're getting it restarted and ready to go. Okay, good. What else? Yeah, so it's a renewal, but it doesn't always make it all the way through your week, I would say. Yeah, good. Anybody, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, uh, but uh, some of, did anybody feel like uh, it doesn't particularly, like it's sort of uh, separate? Did anybody in any of your groups, you don't have to rat them out, <laughs> seeing any nods? will find you. No, but that, I mean, that's, I, I, I certainly have uh, been to worship services, and I'd say I'm guilty of probably leading worship services where I sort of uh, forget everything that just happened, you know, and as soon as I uh, walk out the door, uh, you know, that, that can be the case too. Hopefully it's not, but sometimes it is. Lois, yes. Sometimes so much of what else is going on in our week comes into this space that you can't focus on anything else that's happening in here. You're like Martha, actually. Maybe we could say to use the other one, you're, you're distracted by all these other things, and it's very hard to listen. Good, good. Well, that's a good transition, probably, although I, Ron's got something he wants to Yeah. Ah, good. So Ron says he comes to worship hungry for the meal, for communion. And Ron and Sue are our communion assistants. They even brought the meal uh, with them for us this morning, at least the bread portion of it, uh, and will help serve it. Uh, how does that sustain you, or how does that connect to the week for you? It's like a slow-release tablet that you take, and it's sticks with you. Good, good. And it's here again. Okay, good. I like that. So this rhythm of eating and, uh, and meal. We live every day of our lives in that way, and our weeks are, are not much different. Good, good. All right. So that's part one. Part two. So part two, our second uh, topic is this one major program And our reading is that familiar story of Jesus teaching in the home of Mary and her sister Martha. And there's really just one word that I want to focus on in this reading, and it shows up twice, uh, both times in verse 40. And uh, the first time it shows up, it's translated as tasks, and the second time it shows up, it's translated as work. And I'm just going to read verse 40, and you listen for it. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks— So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work? 
by myself. Now, tasks and work uh, make this sound negative, but really this word in the Bible is almost always used positively, and in Greek it's the word diakonia. It's where we get the word deacon from, and it's usually translated as service, although it can also be translated as ministry. So you could translate the verse this way, but Martha was overburdened by her many ministries. So she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the ministry by myself? Martha gets a bad rap here, but what's clear in the text is that, except for maybe interrupting Jesus, she's doing everything right, at least from her culture's point of view. In fact, it's Mary, as the sister of the host, who is shirking her responsibilities. I mean, by the standards of their time, Mary ought to be helping Martha with the ministry of preparing food rather than sitting down with the men and listening to Jesus's teaching. So when Martha asks Jesus to correct Mary, we would expect, at least from the cultural viewpoint of their time, we would expect Jesus to do what Martha asks. For all of the standards and the norms tell us that Martha is in the right and Mary is in the wrong. But Jesus's response is surprising because instead of commending Martha's hard work, he tells her that only one thing is needed and that that is the part Mary has chosen. According to Jesus, it's not busyness or hard work that are the most important thing. Rather, it's listening to Jesus. And as simple as that sounds, in practice, it is very hard to do, as we already heard a little bit. Uh, It's so easy. It's so easy to get caught up in the good tasks there are to do. There are a lot of good tasks to do, whether it's attending to our jobs or maintaining our homes or, or volunteering our time or countless other ministries. And it is very easy to become so absorbed in these tasks that we forget about Jesus in the midst of it. It's no different for uh, churches, by the way. In fact, it might be worse for churches because it is easy for churches to get so caught up in the many good and important ministries there are to do. And in all of the anxiety and the busyness of that, we can lose track of Jesus in the midst of it. It's easy to become an overburdened Martha congregation rather than an attentive Mary congregation. So I'm going to ask you to turn to your neighbor or neighbors uh, one more time, and I'm going to ask you two questions. One's very simple, and then the other one will take a little more talking. Uh, The first one is, are we, Emmanuel Lutheran Church, do you think that we are more of a Mary congregation or a Martha congregation? That's the first question. Second question, what might that one thing needed look like for us? What might it look like for this church to attend to that one thing needed. Those questions make sense? All right, turn to your neighbors, and uh, we'll take a few minutes to do that. All right, let's go ahead and bring it back together. So, I'm going to ask for a, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How how many people uh, uh, think that we are more of a Mary congregation? Okay. How many people think we are more of a Martha congregation? 
okay? How many kind of don't know we're sort of in between? Oh, we want to, yeah, two hands. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So I, I see some middles. I, you know, that was a pretty even split. That's actually very interesting. Good. Uh, so um, just does uh, anybody want to say a little bit about why, why they feel the way they feel about it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how you made it, so I can't answer that for you, I don't think. But I mean, a, a Mary, so I guess the way, the, what the question is getting at, or the idea is, do you feel that we are a, as a congregation, are a busy congregation that tends to get distracted by many tasks and maybe lose sight of the one thing? Or are we more of a congregation that tends to keep sight of the one thing um, and, and not get distracted by the many tasks, the, the many ministries? It's kind of a question of focus, I guess, is part of the question. Um, I don't know if that addresses it. Yeah. Ah, so this is why we wanted to have two hands. Two hands, good. Okay, so that there's a Mary portion to our life together, we could say, and a Martha portion to our life together, in that uh, the Mary portion is here and being kind of focused on listening and being sent, or being ready to be sent, and then being sent out and being busy like Martha in all of the many tasks. Again, I don't think that text is meant to say that service or ministry is bad. Uh, and it's always a good thing all throughout the, anytime you see service or, uh, or, or ministry in the New Testament, usually that word is the same word that's right there. Uh, but, uh, but that there's a way in which they need to stay focused. So that's a focused way and then being sent out. And I like how you included uh, church here, but then we're still the church when we go out. We're still Emmanuel Lutheran Church. We're just scattered. We're not uh, gathered at that time. That's good. I, I, I appreciate that. Dave, yeah, okay. So the importance of listening, and not just listening uh, in worship, but listening in the community as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Good. What about that second piece, that one thing needed? Does anybody have any good visions of what that might look like if we really paid attention to the one thing needed or, or maybe what it already looks like if we're already paying attention to the one thing needed? I hear somebody say that I didn't get that far. I really thought that first question would be a quick one. I was wrong, but yeah. Sue, yeah. Sure. So there's, there's at least a couple possibilities and maybe we're sort of divided in some ways. Yeah, good. Yeah, wonderful. Any other thoughts? All right, good. We'll leave it at that then. Uh, so now, uh, instead of concluding with a rousing uh, sermon, I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we will move on uh, to the rest of our worship service uh, and get towards that meal that Ron is so hungry for. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you. We thank you for gathering us here. We thank you for enlightening us, for giving us the gift of your word, for giving us uh, the will and the ability to listen to it uh, and to consider it and to act on it. I ask that you would guide us, Lord, that you would help us to be attentive to your will, to discern what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect, that you would transform us uh, with your renewing word. Be with us this day and throughout our weeks. Keep us faithful as your church here in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.